The Overwhelmed Brain is a proud member of the Healing Broadcast Network. Are you annoyed by affirmations? When you look into your empty fridge and your friend tells you to think positively, do you say, wow, and you're sure that will resolve my hunger? You're absolutely sure? Yeah, pretty sure. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then get ready to start creating the life you've always wanted now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. If you're here to learn more common sense tips for improving your life, you're in the wrong place. This is the direct path to uncommon sense, and that's why it's going to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. My ultimate goal is to help you become empowered so that you can create the life you want. Today's quote is by Jordan Knight, and it's this, I think if you stop bad habits and you stop long enough, you develop good habits. Now, I love this quote, and it's kind of a theme in today's episode, especially when we get to the Ask Paul segment next. Well, that's pretty much the only two segments where I talk about it, because what's in the box today is about something that I've never talked about, so stay tuned for that, which is the third segment in this show. But right now, today's quote, which I've already read, I think if you stop bad habits and you stop long enough, you develop good habits. Now. Think about that for a minute. How many habits do you have in your life? How many things do you do that you don't even think about? It's so habitual that you just do it. Now, when it comes to bad habits, let me tell you a bad habit I used to have. I used to bite the skin off my fingers, especially my knuckles and around my fingernails in the cuticle area. And I started doing this when I was probably... 12 or 13, I'm not sure, but my older sister did it and I watched her do it and I decided, hey, I'm going to do that too. I've got a piece of skin hanging off my finger. I'll just bite it off. Well, I'm sorry if this sounds gross. If you're listening and you don't like the way this sounds, this is pretty much true to life. This is exactly what happened to me. And uh, I tell you what, it was very gross. (laughs) It wasn't gross in the sense that I didn't enjoy doing it. It was gross in the sense what my fingers turned into because of it. I did this for probably, let's see, 16, probably over 20 years, quite a long time, maybe 15 years, between 15 and 20 years. And I really got sick of it. When you bite the skin off your fingers You don't just bite what's sticking out. You usually take a little more off too. I'm sorry if this is getting a little grotesque, but that's where I'll stop with the grotesque descriptions. Except for the fact when my hands got wet, they looked even worse. But we won't go there. 
The reason I'm telling you this is this was a bad habit of mine. This is something that I used to do that was just, for me, it was terrible. And the reason it was terrible is because, for one, my fingers would bleed a lot. And they hurt. My fingertips, my knuckles, and I just really didn't like being in pain anymore. And second, my fingers looked awful. I was embarrassed and I was humiliated just showing them to anyone or just having them out so others can see. Again, especially after they got wet, they looked terrible. So I want to tell you something that I did that was sort of radical to stop this bad habit. And I don't even know if this is healthy, (laughs) but I did it anyway. I actually put iodine on my knuckles and everywhere I bit because I wanted to prevent myself from biting those areas anymore. And I knew that if I bit into iodine, that I wouldn't like the taste. And before that, I actually tried putting band-aids on, which did work. Uh, But then I had band-aids on all the time and it was just getting expensive and (laughs) because I had to replace them all the time. But the next time I tried iodine and what iodine did was it not only made it taste bad, but it also made my um, skin brown in the areas that I applied it to. And this helped me identify where not to bite. So it was a way to reprogram myself to not do it anymore. And let me tell you what happened. The day I put the iodine on, I remember tasting iodine (laughs) because I actually went to chew my finger and there was iodine there. But this revealed to me how habitual this had become, how unconscious this had become. Our habits are unconscious programs. And I was running this unconscious program in the background. It was actually running itself. Because I would just reach for my fingers with my teeth, hoping to bite something off. And I had a ritual, too. I would sit there with my fingers and feel around my other fingers, trying to find little pieces of skin sticking off so I could chew them off. But having the iodine on would surprise me every time. I would go to bite. I would taste iodine. I would spit it out. And then I would go, okay, don't do that again. And then I would go to bite again and I would taste iodine. So by the, I don't know, I don't know how many times it took, but I'm sure by the fifth or sixth or 10th time, I stopped reaching with my mouth and I realized this is working because I'm actually interrupting the process of this habit. This is what a bad habit is. A bad habit is a process. It starts with step one. Now, my step one could have been a thought that came to mind. Like maybe it was um, something I was nervous about. So I would start to feel my fingers looking for those little skin tags. And, you know, that's step two, feeling my fingers. Step three was reaching my mouth down or putting my finger up to my mouth and chewing off the skin I felt. So there are probably other steps in there too. Like I probably visualized the skin in my mind and what needed to come off. So there's a whole series of steps in this process and they get so played over, they get so rerun over and over again that it creates a rut, like a dog on a leash that goes around in a circle making a path. 
and pretty soon the path gets deeper and deeper and you can tell where the extent of the dog's leash gets. This is what happens with bad habits. You keep running in the circle over and over and over again until all the steps in the process combine into one fluid, unthinking action. Bad habits are a combination of steps that turn into a fluid motion that seems like one step. So I want you to really think about that. If you have any bad habits, know that they are a series of steps. And if you can find out where it begins, what step is first, then you can start to catch yourself before you hit the next step. Now, these habits, these bad habits that you have are so rerun all the time that it's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult to catch the first step. But this is when you start to be aware. This is when what I did was to interrupt those steps by putting something in between the steps. I made it more difficult to complete the task of finishing this bad habit or each step of this bad habit. When I put iodine on my fingers, since that was one of the steps, putting my hand near my mouth and then tasting that iodine interrupted the pattern. I talk about pattern interrupts in this show quite a bit, but if you don't know what that is, that's, it's exactly what it sounds like. A pattern interrupt is anything that interrupts the steps that you go through that are very unconscious, that you don't think about. So within a matter of a couple weeks, maybe three weeks, I had stopped biting my fingers. Now, what was hard about that is that my fingers were itching to be bitten. <laughs> it sounds weird, but if you've never done this, if you've never had a habit like this, you probably don't know what I mean. But the body, when you do something to the body like that, it wants more of it. It's like another family member of mine. She bites the inside of her cheek and she's done that for as long as I've known her. And her body wants more of it when it's not getting it. And that's really hard when your body gets used to it and it wants more of it, even though you're causing harm. So the idea is to find what step in the pattern you can break. What step in your bad habit can you break? For example, if you drive home from work and you always stop at the same store to get some alcohol and you want to curb your alcohol consumption, which coincidentally is related to one of the letters I'm going to read in the next segment. So what do you do? You drive home the same way every day and you always stop for alcohol. And if you want to moderate or lower your consumption of alcohol, maybe you can take a different way home. That would certainly interrupt the pattern. However, <laughs> the pull might be so strong that you find your way back onto that same street. So what's the next step? What's another step in the pattern? Okay, you buy the alcohol, you bring it home, then you pour it into a glass, and then you drink it. All, these are all steps. What can you do in between those steps? Well, let's say that you always sit down in your favorite chair and watch TV. Maybe it's time to sit in another chair. I know it's simple and it probably won't curb your cravings at all, but what if you did sit in another chair? What if you sat on the floor? Just changing slight behaviors 
inside a pattern can change the entire pattern. What if you could only drink outside when it's very cold? Eventually, you're going to relate drinking to being very cold. Now, of course, this isn't a cure-all, and there's so much more complexity with alcohol and if you have alcoholism, but this is just an example of what you can do, what steps you can take to start interrupting your patterns for any bad habits that you might have. So just think about it. You might even want to do this. This is a great exercise. Write down every step you take before, during, and after you do something that you consider a bad habit. For example, using my history of finger biting, I think if I were doing this now, if I were biting my fingers now, the first thing I would think of is what am I thinking about before I do it? And the first thought that comes to mind is that I can actually see an image of my finger. Even if my eyes are closed, I can see an image of my finger with a piece of skin sticking out. That's the first image that I can think of. And there might be an image before that, but I I just can't catch it in time if it's one of the steps. But if I see that picture in my mind of a finger with a piece of skin sticking out, what can I do to that picture to make it different, to make it more unappealing? Can I add some, (laughs) and I'm sorry if you're eating, can I add some mold to my finger? Can I add some green gooey stuff in my mind's eye, I'm not talking about for real. I'm talking about in my imagination. Can I add some you know, green, yucky, slimy stuff on my finger so that I have this picture before I attempt to put it near my mouth? This is just one of the ideas. You can use different visual images. You can change your actual behavior in the world, where you sit, how much you eat or drink or what you do how many steps you take. These are all little things that you can start thinking about to help you stop your bad habit. So that's just my thoughts on this quote. The quote is, I think if you stop bad habits and you stop long enough, you develop good habits. I absolutely agree. On to our next segment called Ask Paul. On every episode, independent Legal Shield representative Asha tells us of the legal adventures that she's been through and how in each case she was able to use Legal Shield not only to get out of the mess but also be in a position of power where she wasn't feeling the fear of not knowing what to do. So I wanted to know if she's ever faced something where there was a legal situation where she could have used Legal Shield but wasn't signed up yet. And here's what she said. You know, one of the things that I had done that was a real problem was I needed to send debt collection letters. I owned a business and I couldn't find anybody to do it. If they were going to do it, they were going to charge me like 100 or $150 a letter, which is ridiculous because a lot of the debts were small, but the people just needed a nudge. I um, had to file a small claim myself, which I won. And another one, I just walked away from it because I knew and it was, you know, upwards of $2,000, but I just walked away because I knew that the hassle factor and what I hadn't done up to that point was going to be a a gamble. It was going to be hard for me and I didn't know what I was doing. 
So I just left $2,000 sitting on the table because I didn't have somebody to write me a collection letter for free as part of my service. So if somebody wants good legal service that they know is going to be good, they can call me at 678-355-8777 or go to getoutofthemess.com or my email is asha, A-S-H-A, at getoutofthemess.com. All right, this next segment is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to answer and help them through their challenge. I'm going to read two letters today because they are both related in some way. Both are very inspirational, and I can't wait to make some comments on them, so let's get started with the first one. Hi, Paul. I wrote to you before asking you to talk about moderating drinking. But I was hoping maybe you could do a podcast on moderating all things. Maybe how to unlearn habits such as drinking to excess. Maybe some people weren't taught any other way to do things. Well, if you can't make an episode on that, thanks for just being there because you keep me afloat often. Oh, and Paul, usually on Thursdays, I drink between 10 and 12 beers. And I believe it's affecting my health. I smoke too and I bought... 20 cigarettes that night. Well, let me tell you, last Thursday, I had one beer. (laughs) Yes, I stopped at one. (laughs) And I only had four cigarettes. I'm down from several cigarettes a day to one. So, I got something accomplished. Yay! (laughs) Well, you have an amazing day. Wow, thank you so much for that letter. That is (laughs) incredible, actually, because for you to do that, I mean, I remember the excessive amount of sugar I used to eat. And I think a lot of us are under the trap of sugar, under the what some people call a sugar addiction. Because if you look at food labels, you'll see that there's so much sugar in all the foods and and beverages that we eat and drink. So you can almost equate it to something like alcohol or even cigarettes. I know it's not on the same caliber, but some people do think that sugar is a drug. Now, I'm not here to put down sugar or go on a rant or anything like that, but let me tell you what I did. A few years ago, I realized how addicted I was to soda. I used to love soda. Dr. Pepper was my favorite, and anytime I was near a store, I would go in and get a Dr. Pepper. Well, I decided that I wanted to feel healthier, get more energy, and not superficially energize myself with sugar and caffeine. So I decided to not only quit soda, but quit sugar, like go on a sugar fast. And in order to do that, I had to not only look at labels to find out what contained sugar, but I also had to figure out what converted to sugar in my body. So I learned quite a bit on what foods contained sugar and which ones weren't uh, healthy to eat because of the carbs and things like that. And I took out white bread and sodas and any type of sugary drinks. And I I ate mostly uh, meats and salads. And I did this for two months. I quit cold turkey. I quit sugar, cold turkey. And for two months, my body had to go through a reset. It was hard, actually, because the very first time I remember going by a store, I almost 
unconsciously just walked into the store, walked over to the cooler and reached for a Dr. Pepper. (laughs) And then I realized, wait, I quit sugar. What am I doing? It was such a common thing that I always did that I, I didn't even think about it. So I put the Dr. Pepper away and I walked out and it was not easy because I attached emotions to drinking that soda. It was a ritual and it made me feel good, which is how pretty much addictions can work, at least one of the ways. But I found myself doing this almost daily. I wanted to go to the store and get a soda. So I started doing something that really helped me get through the cravings. And that was imagining what the soda felt like in my stomach and how it was fizzing and burning and how it just didn't feel good at all. So when I would reach for the soda and actually have it in my hand, I would imagine drinking it, knowing that that part would feel good. But then it sat there in my stomach, bubbling and its acidic nature just burning through my stomach. And I tell you what, that really helped. That helped a lot. Just imagining that whole scenario being unpleasant allowed me to put the soda back and eventually I stopped having the cravings. Now, in two months, I was able to stop craving anything that contained sugar. In fact, not only did my cravings stop, but my palate changed. The foods that I used to eat were no longer desirable. Even eating flavored chips were too sweet. (laughs) Some of them actually contained sugar. So from that point on, I didn't want to completely get rid of sugar out of my diet. I actually enjoy uh, some sweet treats every now and then. But from that point on, I wasn't reaching for them. It wasn't a craving. And I could actually choose whether to eat them or drink them or not. So uh, from that point on, I decided to only eat raw sugar. And you can get sugar in the raw or any type of raw cane sugar and add it to the things that you want to eat or drink. So I introduced black tea back into my diet and um, I like it sweet. So I use raw sugar in my black tea and I started enjoying that. And I never went back to soda. And in fact, I don't drink any other beverage besides tea when I want something sweet. Otherwise, I'm drinking water. So back to your letter, I'm just thrilled that you were able to do this. This shows that you can do this with your mind, but a lot of people don't want to because what's involved, it feels like it's taking something away. And my idea is to not just take it away, but replace it with something else. Now, personally, I can do this. I can quit cold turkey and not have it be a problem, but other people can't do that. So they do need to find something else to replace it with. Now, the reason it feels like you're taking something away is because usually we need to feel a certain way so we don't feel another way. I used to know someone who smoked mainly because he was always stressed. And he said, whenever I smoke, I feel less stressed. So I was thinking, maybe it's best to work on what stresses you instead of getting rid of the symptoms of what causes that stress. And that's really a path to helping you with any type of addictive behavior is to figure out why you do the behavior in the first place. For example, if you smoke, what do you think about before you smoke? What is your strategy or process of smoking? Do you just sit there going, oh, I'm getting nervous. I need a cigarette. Why do you get nervous? 
or, oh, I'm getting angry, I need a cigarette. Why do you get angry? This is what I like to teach on the show is drilling down into the reasons you feel the emotions before they lead to the behaviors that you don't want to do. And then dealing with those emotions and dealing with anything that you are repressing or suppressing because of your habits. So when you drill down into the reasons that you have some of your habits in the first place and you're able to address and resolve typically negative emotions that we're trying to not feel, then you find new ways to handle situations instead of a bad habit. I'm telling you, once you deal with some of the stuff inside of you, some of that uh, hurt emotion or repressed pain from the past, anything that you've been having trouble dealing with that you usually do some behavior to feel better, once you deal with that stuff, then the bad behaviors can pretty much typically stop on their own. Not all the time. I mean, some of these habits form cravings and the cravings are something the body remembers and it wants to feel good. So you want to do it over and over again. But when you start at step one and figure out why you're doing the behavior in the first place, it can resolve the whole chain of events that happen after that. I had a coaching client recently that worked on a lot of issues that she had and she found herself uh, walking into a bar. And before she sat down, she was like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I don't need this. I'm going to go home. So she was able to catch that behavior before it completed. She was actually able to stop the process, make the choice and take the action that she wanted for herself because she realized that she now had a choice. And a lot of these bad behaviors, we don't think we have a choice. It just becomes automatic. And one thing I want you to know that you have is a choice. And on that note, let me segue into the next letter. All right, come on back now and let's read letter number two. I just discovered the Overwhelmed Brain podcast and use it as a supplement to keep me on a healing path in between weekly therapy sessions. The podcasts help me understand the process of emotional healing and how to create respectful boundaries. Your messages also remind me that I have the power of choice. Without going into too much detail, this past year has been felt with a heavy heart. Yet it has helped me become aware of the dysfunction in my relationship and how I cope with emotions and stress. I have struggled with eating disorders for the past many years. Only recently I shared it with health professionals after making the connection that I used certain behaviors to deal with, or not, my emotions. Unfortunately, I became discouraged after reading several articles on eating disorders and discovered that my recovery chances are slim. After listening to your podcast for two weeks, one of the most significant moments for myself happened. While on a run, I felt nauseous halfway through the course. I was close to home and I thought I could easily go home, purge, and then feel better and finish my run. After all, it's common to hear of people getting sick from running, but I knew I was fooling myself vomiting for whatever reason had a different effect on me it's like an addictive drug that numbs the emotions and shuts down the chatter in my head and brings a calmness for a moment 
I actually turned down the street to head back home. And then remembering your podcasts, I stopped on the corner. I had the power of choice. I am an adult, not a child. I have the knowledge and ability to make a healthy choice. I asked myself, which end result would make me feel better, purging or finishing the run? I reminded myself that it was okay to walk the rest of the way and that walking would even help my upset stomach. So I made a healthy choice for myself because I could. And you know what? I felt better about myself for finishing and I no longer had a stomach ache. Needless to say, that moment was incredibly empowering. Regardless of what the statistics say, right now, I still have the power to make a healthy choice for myself. I know that there will be setbacks and progress is slow. This past year can attest to that. But with a greater awareness that I have the ability to make positive choices, I'm making small steps toward restoration. Thank you for the encouraging reminders that I have the ability to change. Thank you, Paul, for sharing your own personal growth journey. No doubt it must have been a difficult decision to open up to the world and bear all. It is amazing by only being human in the most honest form, you have impacted so many lives by choosing to share your experience of pain, struggles, and growth with listeners like me. Thank you for educating yourself about the process of inward healing and choosing to share this knowledge with others. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart. When I read this letter, it brought a tear to my eye. I was so appreciative and grateful at the same time, so proud and uh, just amazed at you for taking that massive step for listening to your body, not only the first time going, hey, I need to purge, but the second time when it said, you know, I would like this outcome and I would feel better after the run. I mean, you're making the choice to make these healthy decisions for you. And certainly you've listened to this show and it has helped you, but the power is all in you. I am so grateful that you shared this with me and I can't wait to hear your amazing success six months from now, a year from now. And you're right. It's going to be hard. There's going to be stumbling blocks. There's going to be obstacles. There's going to be times where you need a quick fix of some sort and you might do something that you later go, why did I do that? But remember this choice that you made and know that every time you have the same choice, you may not like that you don't have some sort of thing to make you feel better and put you calm as quickly as it used to, but the long-term effects help you feel more calm and more at ease and comfortable in your own skin. So every time you have that choice and you make the decision to do the right thing or do the healthy thing, it's going to reinforce it for the next time. Just like when I reached for a soda, I would listen to my body and go, what would it feel like if this soda was sitting in my stomach? And my body responded and I can feel it. I can feel it talking about it now. I don't want it anymore. So I'm so glad that you are listening to yourself as the, like you said, as the adult, you know, the child wants what it wants. It wants quick fix. It wants to be pacified, but you chose to step in as the adult and make the decision that you know was best for you. This warms my heart. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I wanted to read this on the air because 
I know other people are suffering with this right now. And I also want to mention that I know people personally that have gotten over exactly what you're going through and don't feel the need to do that anymore. When I read articles that there's no hope or no cure or whatever, I refuse to let my subconscious mind be programmed with that information. I can't tell you what's true in the world. I can only tell you what's true for me. And whatever you make true for you is the direction you're going to go. So keep finding those truths that are right for you and go in that direction. If you read something or see something that says there is no cure or you have no chance, you know, you remember the old uh, family feud when those big red X's would appear on the screen when they got the answer wrong? That's what I do in my mind. I visualize these big red X's over that information and go, "Eh, (laughs) that's wrong. I won't believe that. And then you keep going in the right direction. Now, I'm not saying that you should reject medical care or anything like that. This is just a mindset thing. You keep doing the things that you need to do to help you out and make yourself better. But changing that mindset and going in a positive direction where there's actually hope and a bright tomorrow is a lot healthier for you and your body. So I'm so proud of the direction that you're taking and I'm so happy that you shared this with me. Thank you so much. You know, you have a choice. You have a choice every decision that you make, every step that you take. You have choices that you may or may not know that you have. Sometimes we hear ourselves say, I have no choice. Well, you usually have a choice. You just typically don't like the consequences of the choices that you have. I felt the same way when uh, when I was married. We were completely broke. And I finally got a job and it was a job I hated. (laughs) I really hated going to this job, but I had no choice because otherwise we would be back at the line in the soup kitchen. I had no choice, right? (laughs) I did have a choice. I could choose to quit and go back to the soup kitchen, but I almost convinced myself that I had no choice. But you know, three weeks into it, I decided that I did have a choice and that I wasn't going to be treated with disrespect and I wanted a job that I could work in integrity in. So I decided to quit. I've told this story on the show before, so I won't get into it again, but that's what I did. And it led to better things because I felt better about myself. I chose the path that was harder and I didn't know the consequences of that choice, but I just knew that it was right for me. I just felt it was a healthier choice. So I did it. A lot of people would say you didn't have a choice. You had to work. You had to make money. No, I didn't. (laughs) There are systems in place where you don't have to make money. I wanted to make money. In fact, uh, I struggled against not making money because I knew if I quit, I wouldn't be making any money and I would be right back in the same place I was before. But I made the choice to do what I felt was right for me. Almost always, you have a choice. And when you can come to terms with the consequences of either choice, then you have power. If you can come to terms with knowing that if I make choice A, it will lead to this, and if I make choice B, it'll lead to that, or if I make another choice that I haven't even considered, it would lead to something else. If you don't put any bias or any judgment on any consequence, then you make the choice that you know you need to make 
at the time. Many of the problems that we create in life have to do with making a choice that we really don't want to make. I've talked to many spouses that have children that are in marriages that they don't want to be in, but they have no choice. They have no money, no job skills, and they have kids, and what else are they going to do? They have no choice. I'm not saying that the choices aren't hard and seemingly impossible. But what I am saying is that you do have choices. They'll just be more difficult sometimes. So don't limit yourself with this no choice thinking. Almost always you have a choice. Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, was held in a concentration camp in like 1945 or so and tortured. And for a period of time, he thought he had no choice. But he chose to expand his mind into what he could choose. He could choose how he thought. He could choose to give different meaning to the situation. And instead of seeing everyone as barbarians and hating the world that he was living, he chose to find meaning in everything he was going through. Through his worst torture... He found meaning and he found the importance of all the people around him that were putting him through this. He found them to be meaningful in some way to his existence and to the world. And that gave him a reason to continue living. So even when you believe you have no choice, there are choices that you can make under the worst situations until you can get out of those situations. My thought is get out of bad situations as fast as possible. But when you can't, make different choices and look for meaning so that you can take some important experience and wisdom with you so that you don't get stuck in these situations again. I won't lie. There are times when we are a victim of circumstance. Those things are going to happen. But remember, you can bring new thought into these situations and see things a different way and find meaning so that you can get through it and have something to grasp onto until you're out of that situation. Let's go to our next topic, what's in the box? How do you know if you need one-on-one coaching? Not only do I host this international online radio show, but I also do coaching. If you simply can't get enough of what I talk about here, or maybe you need to tackle specific issues in your life, consider coaching with me. I've worked with many people with all kinds of careers and backgrounds and challenges, and I'm here to help you figure things out. So if you feel stuck, like you can't get past some emotional barrier or have this underlying fear or anxiety all the time, or just can't seem to find that happiness you know is attainable, reach out to me. We'll work together and figure stuff out. Now, my disclaimer is that I'm not a replacement for therapy. I just know what I know. So listen to these episodes. If you like what I talk about here and you think that I can help you, send me a note and we'll connect. You know, sometimes all it takes is a different perspective to transform years of waiting for a change 
into a few minutes of momentum to steer your ship in a more fulfilling direction. I want to empower you to create the life you want. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on Coach with Paul. You'll see that I answer a bunch of questions there. You'll see a video of me talking about the coaching I do and uh, I have a FAQ to, to answer your questions and also how much I charge and what's involved. So take a look. Or if coaching with me is not in your budget, consider joining the coaching group called the TOB Inner Circle that opens on December 1st. And I get into details about that at the end of the show. Or at the very least, get one of the worksheets on stopping self-sabotage or stopping anxiety. Or the new one that I'm creating now, I'm hoping to be ready by this weekend. Didn't I say that last weekend? I forget. (laughs) It's called Eliminating Emotional Triggers. Those are only a few dollars each and are more accessible for you if the cash is tight. Of course, if you're completely strapped for money, well, I have a backlog of about two years worth of free shows that teach you everything I know. So hopefully I've got everyone covered. I look forward to talking with you soon. All right, time for our next segment, What's in the Box? What's in the Box today is Jared Fogel, once a symbol of inspiration and now the alleged pedophile and sociopath that the FBI is revealing him to be. If you have kids, now is the time to maybe have them stop listening because we're going to talk about a subject that is very sensitive and kids are going to ask questions and I believe they should be informed of the things that we're going to talk about, but not in the way that I'm going to present them here. So this is your chance to get the kids out of the room so we can talk about some stuff that really does affect them. But I want to give you a chance to explain the dangers in this society in the way that you need to explain it to them. All right, so there's your chance. Now let's get to the subject matter at hand. If you haven't heard yet, and this totally shocked me, Jared Fogel, the guy who claimed to have lost 200 pounds by eating Subway sandwiches, was recently exposed to having sex with minors, a.k.a. children, and possessing child pornography. Now, when I found this out, I was in complete shock because this is someone I looked up to for the longest time. He was a true source of inspiration for a lot of people that wanted to get healthier, that wanted to lose weight. And I really thought Subway was doing a good thing by highlighting him and making him uh, their spokesperson. But he even fooled them from what I can tell is going on here. And if you still don't know who I'm talking about, just look for a Subway commercial on YouTube with Jared Fogle. Now, the reason I want to talk about this is because this really highlights the problem of sociopathy or what's known as antisocial personality disorder. It also highlights something I rarely talk about on this show, pedophilia. In fact, I don't think I've ever mentioned that word, but I think it needs to be talked about. Now, I'm not going to do a whole segment on sociopathy or pedophilia, but I do want to mention it because in the future, I'll probably have a show on that. But for now, I want to talk about sociopathy. Do you know a sociopath? Do you know someone who exhibits antisocial personality disorder? Do you even know what that means? You might very well know one or even be married to one. Well, if you're a regular listener to this show, it's likely that you're not one, but 
What I'm going to do is read a list off of Psychology Today on the typical characteristics of antisocial personality disorder. And that's pretty much what this segment's going to be about. I'm just going to read the list and you'll be able to tell if you know someone like this, you're married to someone like this, someone in your family is something like this. I know someone personally, I won't mention who it is, <laughs> but this person definitely exhibits the signs of antisocial personality disorder. Now, the reason you want to know this is because people with this disorder can easily lie to you, manipulate you, and appear to have a complete lack of morals. And you might think, why is this person being such a jerk? Or, I know they're lying, but they swear they're not. Well, let me go over the list real quick, and you can evaluate these items with the people that you know in your life. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Superficial charm and good intelligence. Absence of delusions and other signs of irrational thinking. In other words, they don't even know they're being delusional. Absence of nervousness or neurotic manifestations. Unreliability. Untruthfulness and insincerity. Lack of remorse and shame. That's a big one because sociopaths will do things and then not feel remorseful for what they did. Inadequately motivated antisocial behavior. Poor judgment and failure to learn by experience. Pathologic egocentricity and incapacity for love. Now that's a big one because many sociopaths can't feel love. And if they're married... If you're married to a sociopath, just be aware of this. I hate to plant any seeds, but just be aware that sociopaths do things that they don't feel sorry for. And they don't think that they're wrong. So just think of all the things that this person that you know or you might know would or could do and not think is wrong. All right, here's the last few. Specific loss of insight unresponsiveness in general interpersonal relations, fantastic and uninviting behavior with alcohol and sometimes without, suicide threats rarely carried out, sex life impersonal, trivial, and poorly integrated. It's an unusual way to say it. <laughs> and failure to follow any life plan. Now, there are some are you a sociopath tests online. Just go to a search engine and type in sociopath test and you'll find quite a few now the reason i bring this up is because many of us looked up to jared fogel of subway as a hero as an inspiration but he was so good at being a sociopath that he fooled almost everyone probably everyone except the fbi informant that was helping to lure him into confessing things but it's scary because we know people who seem perfectly normal. In fact, a lot of sociopathic people seem very friendly and you wouldn't think that they do anything wrong, but they have a darker side that they themselves aren't even aware of. I know a sociopath who cheated on his wife multiple times and didn't even know it was wrong. It didn't even know it was a bad idea or was going to hurt the other person didn't even know that he had made a commitment in his marriage and it didn't matter because that commitment didn't include certain sexual things, certain things about being in a relationship. 
only the ones that he believed were the ones that needed to be in a marriage, if that makes sense. It's like getting your driver's license and then getting your first car and then driving on the sidewalk. It's against the law, but because you can and you don't feel bad about doing it and it's a path to get where you need to go, you do it. Most of us would look at this and go, that's wrong. It's illegal. But sociopaths not only don't care, they don't even realize that they're doing wrong. In fact, they're the ones that'll likely feel like the victim if they're caught and arrested for doing that. But they don't care. They don't even think about it. It's not in their hardwiring. So if you know anyone that just takes risks like that and doesn't care about the consequences and believes they're right and seems to just lie about things without being empathic towards anyone, it's possible they have tendencies like that. Go online, find a sociopath test, and that won't be an official diagnosis, of course, but it just gives you an idea of the kind of personality that you might be near or hanging around with and might be in your life. It's good to know these things because we can get duped. We can easily... I think I know people. I think I know people well, but Jared duped me. He fooled me. He fooled the world. That's because some people are so good at being who they are, even when they're, quote, a bad person, that they can fool everyone. So I hope this helps you understand maybe some people's behavior in your life and you know why they might be doing it. That's a different story, but uh, take a look at some articles online. You can read more about it. Anyway, thanks for joining today. I'm so glad you stopped by. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. December 1st, 2015 is coming. We've had a few responses to what I'm calling The Overwhelmed Brain Inner Circle, which will open its doors on that day. I'm going to limit entry into the group so it's not too full and we can keep it manageable. So if you want to be on the waiting list, sign up now before it fills up. If you're interested in joining a group where we have a couple group calls a month, not only with me, but with other coaches with their own specialties too. And of course, we'll have daily interactions in that private group and you get all the worksheets and digital books that I've put out now and as time goes on, visit theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on TOB Inner Circle for more information. You could become a TOB luminary and be part of this special private group. So let me know if you want in or if you have any more questions. Click on TOB Inner Circle on the website today. I want to thank everyone who has purchased the Stop Self-Sabotage Workbook. That's a very popular item and it's helping hundreds of people determine what's most important in their life and then becoming in alignment with that to make meaningful decisions. Also, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. I also want to thank Asha, the person that never fears when anything comes her way because she uses Legal Shield. You can find out more about Legal Shield by calling her at 678-355-8777 or email her at asha at getoutofthemess.com. Today we talked about bad habits moderation, and even a little bit of sociopathy. (laughs) Well, I'd like to go back to moderation. 
Moderation is mostly about values. Once you know what's most important to you, you make decisions that are in alignment with those things. Knowing what your values are helps you line up with your ultimate direction in life. I just mentioned it, but that Stop Self-Sabotage Workbook walks you through how to figure out your values. So when you get a chance, just check that out. Now, moderation also has to do with unlearning bad behavior, bad habits. Now, one of the things about behaviors that you don't want to do anymore is that the body remembers how to do them easily. In fact, one of the things that I used to do when I developed a bad habit is take a break from anything related to that habit. For example, when I play guitar, if I keep playing a certain section of a song wrong, I will actually stop playing that song altogether. I might even stop playing the guitar for days or weeks at a time. That gives my body and my mind a chance to forget what I was doing wrong, to forget my bad habit. And then when I go back, I have to relearn it. And this has been powerful in allowing me to develop new good habits. Same thing when I used to skateboard as a kid. I used to practice the same tricks over and over again and do them wrong the same way over and over again. And then I just wouldn't skateboard for a while. And then when I went back to it, suddenly I'm landing my tricks the first time through or sometimes the second. But the point is, once you give yourself a break from doing what it is that you're doing incorrectly or quote bad, you give your mind and body a chance to re-remember it a new way and form new good habits. So if you're practicing something all the time or you're doing something the wrong way or quote a bad way over and over again, try that. Try taking a break. Try walking away. It works the same in relationships too, believe me. When you take a break, even one or two days from your relationship when things are just going, they're getting heated all the time and then you come back with a fresh perspective, you get to reset the system, reset the relationship, reset your mind and body's memories of how things work and how they should work and which direction they were going. And that reset gives you time to rebuild and reprogram things so that they go down a better path, a better direction. Being together all the time can be fun, but it can also be draining and it can also change the way you behave towards each other. So take a break every now and then, unless everything is already going great. If everything is perfect and going great and you feel good about it, then you probably don't need a break. You just keep doing what you're doing. But when you feel any sort of conflict or resistance or tension, maybe it's time to take a day or two or a week off just to recalibrate and reset the system. And with that, open your mind and step into your power. And be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.
If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio.